Good morning. Well, several, several years ago, a buddy of mine was telling me a story about a day that he had that didn't kind of go so well. He's used to everything kind of going really well. He, for a living, he sells financial investment products to kind of big wigs and CEOs and, and folks like that. And he loves to schedule his day minute to minute to minute. And he was, one of these days, he was kind of crushing it. He was, he was hitting the deals. He was getting in the office. He was getting the yes. He was going from meeting to meeting. He packed it in tight and everything was perfect. Everything was good. It was all really good. He was loving it until all of a sudden, almost his last appointment didn't go so well. It was a stop in his momentum. He walks into a business corporate office and he's used to going right into the CEO's office and the receptionist um, was informed by the man's assistant that he was on the phone. He was on an important call and it was gonna be probably five to 10 minutes and my friend had to wait. Well, that's a problem for my friend because he's got an issue with impulsivity and patience and efficiency and nervous energy. So here he is in this corporate office, very nice place, and he's got all this built up nervous energy. And he's the kind of guy that fidgets. He needs one of those uh, fidget spinners and they didn't have a fidget spinner in the corporate office, obviously, and he had nothing to do and he's nervous. He doesn't like waiting and he's really anxious and all of a sudden he sees something really fascinating. It was a snow globe. So there's a snow globe and it was sitting perfectly placed on the, the receptionist's desk, right in the middle of the office there. And if you have nervous energy, you have an issue with impulsivity, and if you have an issue with patience and you're waiting and you see a snow globe, what are you going to do? Yes, so he <laughs> beelines straight to the desk and he, with all of his nervous energy, he picks up that snow globe and vigorously begins to shake the mess out of that thing. And as he's doing that, all of a sudden something crazy happens. Water is splashing all over the place. He's, he gets his entire new Italian suit soaking wet, his face is wet, moreover he looks and the receptionist got her hair is all soaking wet, the desk has got water everywhere, all over the paper, and he's like, he's disoriented and he's trying to figure out what in the world is happening. And all of a sudden he figures it out when the receptionist gasps and says, where's the fish? So his perfect day, where everything was working perfectly, no longer was working perfectly. It was kind of one of those moments where it was a scratch in the record player, right? For millennials, that's a record player is actually new, innovative musical machine technology. You'll find about, out about it soon. But this is the idea of what we kind of want to lead into our text for today as we continue in the Love Is series. We are looking at the very first story of human connection. And uh, if you have Bibles, it's probably at the very beginning, but we also have the scripture on the screen if you'll uh, quietly read along with me. Genesis 2, 18 to 25. So prior leading up to this is creation. And we kind of understand creation. And as the days of creation unfold, God kind of has this pattern where as he creates, he kind of pauses and he looks at creation and he'll make this statement. He'll say, wow, this is good. 
It's pretty awesome that God kind of is proud of himself and proud of his kind of creation. It's kind of a good moment. And he keeps saying that all through these days of creation. He keeps saying, wow, this is good. This is good. And then, and then he says, this is very good. So that's leading up. And then here, something different happens. Then God, Lord God said, it is not good. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Genesis 3 is the fall, and that's the sin. So everything's supposed to be perfect. And it's in the middle of creation, and everything is good. And then all of a sudden, we have a problem in paradise. It is not good. What is not good? It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Verse 19, so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Then the man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. And I'll pause here. Uh, my, one of my buddy's wife's uh, uh, she loves to say that right here, this text is proof positive scripture that everything great that God does happens when men are sleeping. <laughs> so that don't, don't agree and amen, and you're, you're, otherwise you'll get a nudge from your husband there. So uh, the man is sleeping, and uh, where am I? Then he took one of Adam's ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, wow, this is awesome. Actually, that's my translation. He said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man, this one was taken. In verse 24, therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, I love this opening story. We get the in this story, we get the glimpse of God's design for human connection. So what is love? Love is what we see here, first of all, it's not to be alone. Love is not to be alone, and if you're not to be alone, then what are you? Not isolated, not alone, you're connected. So it wasn't good enough. God even realized himself it's not good enough. He could have had man, just one human, good enough to have a communion with the Lord with a human. He could have created it and designed it that way. That is not his intent. It's not what he intended. It's not what he created. He said it's not good. In fact, I want to have a person, another human, to have this creation. So it is a good thing that we were designed and created with a deep longing, a longing for connection and relationship with other. Uh, several years ago, my oldest son, when he was eight years old, was the summer that we were going to send him to summer camp. 
and to a sleep, sleepaway camp. And so for parents, I don't know how, if you've, if you've been a parent and you've had that moment with your child and it was the first moment, maybe that caused some anxiety for you. And my wife and I were kind of talking about things and, you know, because there's bullying and there's, you know, there's counselors and kids in the camp, all kind of things that we need to kind of help make sure that our son felt equipped and empowered to kind of stand up for himself and use his big boy voice and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to have kind of a ritual. I wanted to kind of have a moment to kind of have this man talk. And so I kind of, I kind of said, Joey, let's have a man chat. And we're not soda people, but we went and bought IBC root beer and we sat down in the man leather chairs in our little club chairs. And we had our IBC root beer and we, you know, cheers and did a little toast. And I proceeded to have this talk with him and ask him these questions and we dialogued and I had him role play with his voice and all this kind of stuff. And then a week later when he came back from camp, we did the same thing because I wanted to, I wanted to hear what happened. I wanted to hear how it went. And it was incredible talk. Well, that was done. My intention, my effort was done. Well, the next day, just a normal day, and right before Joey goes to bed, he says, hey, dad. I said, what, buddy? He says, can we have that man chat again? I'm like, the, 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 the what? The man chat. You know, the man chat with the IBC root beer, and we talk and share. And I'm like, oh, oh, because uh, uh, I, I was being a good dad. I did my, my thing. I, I, I accomplished my agenda. But that didn't satisfy him because he had this longing. Something powerful happened in that moment. Intimacy was created in that moment so much for him. It tapped into a deep hunger and a longing. And so we began, so we did another man chat. And then it led to the next night. He said, Dad, can we do man chat again? I caught by the time the third or fourth night rolled around, my brain finally clued in that my son wants to do this as a nightly ritual. And now he's 15, and we still do man chats. It has, he's a cross-country runner now, so we go on our runs, and he runs faster, so I'm out of breath, so he talks the whole time, and I just barely get a question sometimes. But we have these powerful man chats. We were created with a longing to connect and relate, and that's a good thing. It is not good for us to be alone. So what else happens here? I love this in verse 18. The second part of this is one of my favorite parts of this passage. It says, I will make him a helper as his partner. And that phrase, the helper as his partner, there's those two words. Some translations use a, a suitable helper as the two words. And, and so these two words, it's really interesting because we could maybe misunderstand God's intent on what it means to have Eve as a suitable helper. So that word suitable actually just means equal. It means equal and adequate. And then the helper part, that's the same Hebrew word used for the rest of the Old Testament to describe God. And actually, when God is taking care of people, when he's watching over, when he is blessing, and when he is encouraging, that word is used for helper. So if you've ever thought that the term of suitable helper was demeaning, because that helper can feel demeaning. That is a completely wrong view of the text. In fact, that word helper is actually a very noble, empowering, godly word. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, God designed relationship intentionally for us to grow ourselves, to be more Christ-like to be a more mature, developing follower of Christ. 
He just chose to use another human person, human relationship, whether it's a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or a spouse or your child or your parent, somebody close to you that the relationship itself is used as a platform for growth. So uh, one of my issues after we, when we got married was this idea of um, uh, serving. I was not really good at serving. I was never that kid that was good at cleaning up my room and making my bed and all that kind of stuff. And somehow I missed all that kind of stuff. And we get married and then we have kids and changing diapers and all that kind of stuff. I had to kind of learn, well, there was one year where my wife had a foot surgery that was really invasive and the recovery was really long. It was about six weeks of complete immobility for a mommy of four kids, one being a nine-month-old baby. And so that wasn't a very enjoyable time, but it was a time of incubator of growth for the dad. And so the first two weeks after she came home from surgery, uh, she literally was up in bed the whole time. And so she would have the phone right by the bed. And I said, you know, honey, anytime you need anything at all, you just send a text down and we'll take care of whatever you need. I'm ready to help. And so she'd send a text that she has something to need. And I'd look at Jack, Jack, the nine month old baby. I said, Jack, go ask mommy what she needs. Go take care of it. So you can see I had a lot of work to do on my ability to humble myself and work on that. But that's the idea of mutual serving. We're called not to be alone, but to be in relationship, a relationship where there's a mutual, equal partnership of serving. Uh, I heard a pastor friend of mine once say, he said, you know, it's really interesting. God didn't make Eve out of Adam's head, which meant that she would be in superiority over him. Neither did God make Eve out of Adam's feet, which means that she would be inferior to him. Instead, God made Eve out of Adam's rib, out of his side, which means equal, mutual, serving partner together, to serve and be served. Uh, This idea of relationship is to grow and develop us. So several years ago, my daughter, I think she was eight or nine at the time, and uh, we do at dinner times, we do the, the, the great thing that happens in your day, the saddest part of your day, happy part, sad part, rose thorn, people kind of do that. We're in those conversations. My kids love it. And my daughter sharing that the saddest part of her day was that daddy didn't do what she'd asked him to do the night before at dinner table, which was she said, daddy, I really don't like it when I wake up and you're already gone for work. And I haven't had a chance to get a hug and say goodbye to you, which is a sweet thing. That's an awesome thing. What daddy wouldn't want to do that? So I said, absolute sweetheart, I will do it. So that morning I'm about to walk out the door and I remember, oh my goodness, she asked me, you know, to go up there and say goodbye to her. So I run upstairs, I'm hustling up there. The kids are all up, you know, getting their their clothes on. But um, little Janie comes out of the room and she's wiping her eyes. It's still kind of dark. And I say, Janie, you asked me to tell you goodbye. I'm hugging you. I love you. I miss you. Goodbye. I'm going to, going to work. So I did. So at dinner that night, here's the moment. And she's sharing the worst part of her day is when her dad left for work without telling her goodbye. Even though I know I did. Right? So a daddy's dilemma. What do you do? So like a really emotionally mature, emotionally intelligent father in that moment with empathy and compassion like any dad would do, I argued with her because she was wrong. 
She was clearly wrong, and now my whole fathering is uh, being threatened that I'm somehow a failure as a dad. And so I immediately, at the dinner table, all my little people and my wife were all at the dinner table, and I go into this discourse about how she's wrong. And I even pull the kids into it. Joey, you were there. You saw that. I Didn't you see? Hey, Jill, you saw. Remember I hugged Janie? Yeah. And the kids are like, they don't know whether they agree with me or because they're also seeing mom that I somehow have avoided looking at my wife. Finally, in my defense and argument with a nine-year-old, I turn and I see my wife and she's going. (laughs) And she's kind of doing a nod to look at my daughter because then I look over and I see Janie's face and there's these big girl tears just coming down her cheeks as I am adamantly proving that she's wrong because it was more important for me to be right instead of be better. Relationship is a platform. God knew what he was doing. He designed this intricate, intimate connection because in that connection, the mutual serving is our greatest opportunity to grow ourselves and make us more mature followers of Jesus. He knew what he was doing. And so when we find ourselves being stubborn because we just don't want to change, we just want to feel right, and we want to be validated for being right in those relationships, we're not growing. And we're not developing in the way God intended relationships to develop. I had a client one time, several years ago, came in, and he wanted to come to marriage counseling, but I think he was testing the waters to see if I was going to join his side before he brought his wife in. Uh, you can tell that maybe control might be one of his issues. So we proceed in about 30, for the first 30 minutes in the session, he was just blaming, verbally blaming his wife for everything wrong in the world, in the universe, and spent 30 minutes just going through details and facts and details. And I just listened and kind of just kind of let him go to see if this guy is ever going to realize how thick his narcissism is. And so finally, he didn't stop. So I moved in because I realized he's paying me. I got to do something productive in this hour. So I move in close to him, get kind of right in his grill to make him uncomfortable. And I stop him. And he's kind of like, what are you doing? And I said, it seems like it's real important for you to be right. He's like, oh, he's like, he's thinking, man, I, I won this guy over. This is awesome. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're darn right. I said, I have one question. Do you want to be right or do you want to be better? Because you can't have both. If you want to be right, then I don't need to take your money anymore. Go out and be miserable in your marriage. If you want to be better, then we have work to do. And I'm I'm glad to help you. So I want us to think about where we are in our relationships today. God knew what he was doing. He put those people in your life for a reason because there's something powerful that happens when two imperfect people rub their imperfections up against each other. We were meant to develop each other, to grow through conflict and and grow ourselves because in that growth and development, we are being refined as, as more mature followers of Jesus. Where are you today in your relationships? The final piece that I love about this is verse 25. 
And in verse 25, it's this idea of here they are, Adam and Eve standing before each other, completely naked, emotionally, not just physically. They're emotionally naked, completely exposed, completely vulnerable. Meaning, they stood here and, and, and they said, you see all of me. You know all of my fears, all of my worries, all my anxieties, all the weirdness, all the things I'm most insecure in myself about, you see me. And I feel no shame when you see all of that. And on the flip side, you see all my dreams and all my hopes and all the things I get giddy about that I'm fascinated by that I think might be weird, but they're great to me and I wanna push for those. And you don't shame me. They stood before each other, totally vulnerable, totally deeply known by the other, and they felt no shame. That's God's design for intimacy in relationships. We were created for that kind of closeness. So a few years ago, I had a, just a bad situation happen at, a, at an event that I thought was awesome. I was just doing a training. I thought I did well. I had a lot of comments that, man, that was great. It was awesome. We want to sign you up for a series. Two days later, I get a call from that company that I don't know, somebody at the C-suite level uh, didn't like something I said, and they said that, that man can never come back again. It was a great career opportunity that got flushed down the toilet. I felt dejected. I felt like a failure, honestly. And my wife had been praying for that event, and she was so excited when I came home and said, Ans prayers answered, it was awesome, thank you. And then the call came, and I just didn't tell her. I did not want my wife to see that I failed. I just felt so ashamed. And for three days, I walked around the house grouchy and grumpy and internalizing because I'm a powder. I internalized my dejection and rejection. I was cold and aloof and, and just kind of irritable and on edge. And finally, after the third day, she had had enough. I can't believe it took that long. And uh, so she pulled me outside during dinner, out on the patio, away from the kids. And she just looked at me and said, honey, what in the world is wrong with you? I'm like, nah, what's wrong with me? Nothing. I'm trying to deject. And she just said, sit down. And I sat down and she just said, what is wrong? I know you better than anybody else. You are not okay. Just tell me. And that broke me. And I'm breaking down and I'm telling her and I've feel awful and I feel ashamed and my shoulders are sagging, my head's down and she gets down, she kneels down and she puts her hands right on my face and she holds my face up and she looks right into my eyes and she goes, listen to me, you are not a failure. You are my man. You are my best friend. I approve of you. You have what it takes. I believe in you. And that word of life for me in that moment. God's grace for me was through that relationship, that redeeming power through relationship by being known and exposed and feeling God's grace. He knew what he was doing when he gave us each other. Whether it's a friend, a family member, could be a partner at work. Your spouse, 
maybe one of your children, maybe one of your parents. Where is the stuckness and the irritability that God wants to break through? Because by breaking through that, you're a more mature follower of Jesus. Let him help you break through this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us each other the gift of intimacy, of knowing and being known with another human, and that greatest gift. Grow us, develop us, and change us to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.